Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast. Live at large in New York. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today. Dave Anderson. And today we'll be talking about creating developer content. Everybody's making content these days. You gotta get the live stream podcast of my blog. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I'm gonna go on Twitter and I'm gonna throw nothing but hashtags like all over the place to make sure that you get access to my content right now. I'm really not good at writing though, but or finishing blog posts. I'm very good at starting blog posts, but thankfully we have someone here who's good at finishing blog posts. Today we have an esteemed guest, Stephanie Morillo. How's it going, Stephanie? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing all right. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am, by day, I'm a technical program manager at Microsoft, where I run the A-B testing program for Azure.com. And by night and by trade, I am a content strategist. So my area of specialization at the moment is developer content strategy, but I've done everything from marketing, copywriting, to product copywriting, to developer relations. Okay. So I guess I'll start out. Am I doing it right? Am I just like going on Twitter and just typing all the tech Twitter keywords, like to make sure that my content gets as far as possible? Is that is that the way to go? Hashtag content, hashtag tech. Yes. Don't use any hashtags. <laughs> Don't use any hashtags. Leave the hashtags back in 2011 where they belong. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what we're going to leave the Twitter hashtags. Okay. What you got to do is mm-hmm. you have to tweet frequently. And you have to engage with the right people. And by engaging, I don't mean just liking and retweeting. You have to have conversations. Put Mm -hmm. your two cents in. You know, start actually developing, you know, relationships with people. Be social on social media. That's what you got to (laughs) do. This sounds very, very much intense. I'm like getting anxious just thinking about talking with anyone. Talk to people on social media. Doing the social part of social media. That's that's the difficult part. Yeah, I mean, as Dave mentioned before, there's many different ways to get content out there, right? From live streaming, we had Melissa a couple of weeks ago to talk about how she pair programs with the world via YouTube or Twitch. And I imagine our podcast is a way of doing it. Dave, you're actually creating content right now. Yes, Do you, you realize that? Yeah, but I'm that not talking That kind of freaks me out world. when I say it out loud. I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> I could just pretend that I'm like in my room by myself. Like even you, <laughs> even you, you guys are not there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, when I think of creating content, a lot of the times I do believe that it's like, you know, writing a blog and you have written a blog post about an introduction to technical writing. So could you walk us through like the beginnings of starting a blog, the traditional blog way, which is like through punching keys and getting my content out there? So going back to what you said earlier about creating content, for the most part, you think about it as blogging. I think about content as much more holistically than than writing content. Of course, like y'all mentioned, podcasting is one form of content. Live streaming is videos, tweets, depending on the information that's being relayed can be content. But so can, you know, open source projects, a demo, things like that. Like content is is really holistic. Just think about any kind of vehicle that you're using in order to kind of relay information, whether that's educational, entertainment, or informational. That's content. So when I think about blogging in particular and the way developers write blogs, there are multiple different types of blog posts that a developer can write. So a developer can write like a step-by-step tutorial. Like think about it like a recipe, like a Mm -hmm. recipe from you know, from, I don't know, Blue Apron, like step one, you do this, like you have your list of ingredients, which are your prerequisites. Before that, you say, okay, this is what we're going to make. This is the dish. 
Then you go into the ingredients, which are the prereqs. And then you do step-by-step, this is how we're going to build the thing. And then you break it down step-by-step. And at the very end, you say, okay, great. Now you have this dish, Mm -hmm. which is whatever, and it's working. And this is what you can do next. That's probably the most popular type of blog post. It's like kind of like tutorial focused almost. Yeah. Like, kind of like, yeah, just follow. You can also do like listicles too. Like these are like five, like, I don't know, like the five most interesting, I don't know, JavaScript frameworks right now, whatever. Right. And then you list them out. The last one's so weird. You won't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Broccoli JS. <laughs> broccoli JS. No, whatever that this. is. We're going to leave broccoli alone. No. <laughs> we're leaving broccoli alone. We're leaving it out of this conversation. <laughs> good, 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 good. But yeah, you said so listicle is a way of creating the content as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people tend to overthink the mm-hmm. blog posts. I think, listen, like going back to how we learned how to write essays in school, in the beginning, mm-hmm. you have an introduction. And in your introduction, you state your thesis, which is, this is what this blog post is about. And you give people all of the information, the context they need in order to follow the rest of the blog post, which is the body. And the body is, you know, all of the sections that, you know, go into more detail. And then at the very end, you conclude. And the conclusion is a summary of everything that you just said. And then you might even want to include resources for additional reading, continued reading, continued learning, so that people, when they finish your blog post, they can then take the next step, which you have identified. So right. really, when you think about it, like just think about middle school essay writing. <laughs> Remember, like, you know, it, you have your intro, you have your body, which is like the, the, the meat of, the, of what you're creating. And then the conclusion, which is essentially a summary. And, you know, doing something like that, you can't go wrong. I just threw out all of my middle school notebooks like two <laughs> weeks ago. Unfortunately. <laughs> my parents were like, please. Take them. Destroy the or like they take the they don't want to destroy it. them. It was no, like so it was just nice. in their basement and they're like, please, <laughs> it's been twenty years. We can't do this we any can't longer. Do this <laughs> my mom definitely have a ton of my middle school books and my handwriting's so horrible nobody can read it. I'm sure it's just <laughs> there to keep the house warm. That's all yeah. it's just to keep oh, the apartment warm. Yeah. Yeah. If they need it, they're probably gonna use it to burn it to make more heat in the house, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think one of the things that I use blogs for I have a blog and it's from like four years ago. Please don't judge me. One of the things that I've returned to in one of my blogs is when I forget how to do something, I know that I have a blog written yes. on it because I know I'm going to forget. <laughs> and it's like not it's like part informative. It's not like listicle, but it's like informative. The thing I forget is destructuring in JavaScript. Uh I feel like I always forget how to destructure something in JavaScript. And I have this old ass <laughs> blog that reminds me, how do you do it, Mike? And I was like, Mike, here, you wrote it for yourself four years ago. Yes. Thank, right. Thanks, past Mike, you did it. And so that's kind of what I use it for. <laughs> that's what a lot of people use their blogs for, though. I like that. Like it, it kind of lowers the pressure too, because it's like it's not like, dear world, here's the idea that's going to change everything. Mm-hmm. It's no, it's just like, dear Mike, six months from now, <laughs> you dummy. <laughs> you forgot how to structure an object. This is it. <laughs> yep. That's exactly why I use it all the time. I always reference it too. Like, oh, man, JavaScript. How do I destructure? Yeah, go and do that and find it. That's <laughs> that's creating content once every four years, right? I don't think that that's a healthy amount of content creation. But it depends then what your goal is. Like if your goal, like there are people that start off their blogs solely with the intention of documenting exactly what you described, like certain problems that they came across or like, you know, to try to write down so they can remember things for the future. So the, the target audience of their blog is generally themselves. If other people benefit from it, that's great. 
But anytime they come across something, they kind of populate it on there. Yeah, I do feel like the blog posts that have like resonated with me and changed the direction of my life, like have been blogs that have done that where like, they're like, this is my journey. And I'm like, Oh, this is like, so relatable. And like, this could be me. Like, why don't I try that? And then it really works very well. Like if you if you keep it up. That's because I think a lot of people don't get really self-conscious in that way, right? Like they're presenting it like, okay, this is a problem that I'm facing as opposed to like, I'm the expert on this topic and this is what you're going to learn. I think when people, (laughs) right? Like I think when people have to put like their teacher voice on, it gets a little bit nerve wracking because at that point you're like, oh wait, I actually have to know what I'm talking about. Right. But the truth is, it's it's, it's a mental hack. It's a mental hack. You just say, okay, this is something that I recently learned and I'm just writing it so that it can help somebody else. But this is like how I'm, you know, like it's like less pressure when you're kind of. It is a fact. (laughs) Like no one can dispute that you recently learned it. Yeah. Like I always feel like, I run into this problem where I cannot define when a blog post is done. Mm. So like I want to like write something that is making a statement or like clearly, you know, telling something and I just keep on going over it and over it and over it and like never actually getting to done. Is it? In your case, do you find that you get a lot of scope creep? Is it just that you start adding too much to it? Or is it just that you're overthinking what you have in front of you? I think I have like a vague thesis and like my thesis isn't concrete. And then I just keep, yeah, I think it is scope creep because it's just like, okay, keep writing, keep writing. And it's like, okay, like now I am trying to prove a book. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not qualified to do this. So I need to do more research in order for, so I can complete my book. I find that it helps to step away from a piece of writing that I'm kind of stuck on. I'll step away from it for a few days and I'll come back to it, not as a writer, but imagining myself as the editor. Like imagine you had like the teacher with the red pen that was going over your work and was like, yep, like, nope, nope, nope. And the reason I recommend waiting a few days is because there's a bit of distance between you and the work that you've created. You're not feeling as vulnerable because writing is kind of like a vulnerable activity and, you know, it tends to get people kind of in a tizzy and emotional or whatever. Not like emotional, like you're crying because you wrote something about JavaScript, but just like, <laughs> right. just like, oh my gosh, like, is my writing even good? You step away from it and you come back in a few days and I think you can, you can look at it with a sharper eye. Like, I don't mind. Like, I'll come back and I'll say, oh, I got to refactor this whole thing and I will just cut stuff out and I'll say, okay, this doesn't belong here. Like, you have to look at it as if you were the editor that you were hiring to kind of, you know, like, like you look at it from the perspective of the reader, like take yourself out of it and get out of your own head. Like, don't worry about like, Oh, this is what people are going to think or whatever. You just have to think, okay, I need this to be clear. Is it clear? No. Okay. What can I change? What can I take out? Am I being redundant? We tend to be really redundant without even thinking. Cause it's like stream of consciousness when we're writing. Yeah. So, yeah. And then if you find that it's still an issue with, with the thesis being vague, then definitely take some time away yeah. <laughs> to try to figure out what the scope is. Because before you write a blog post, like you should know more or less exactly what you want the reader to take away from it at the very end. Like That should be very clear because that's essentially what you're going to be starting off with. So you have to say, you know, this is this blog post and the goal of this blog post is to enable you to do blah. And if you can't get to that yet, then that means that you still need some time to figure out the topic or figure out exactly where you want to focus in on. That makes sense. It sounds like largely the thrust of it is like, do less, chill out, 
Like, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Right. And it's not easy with technical content. There's a lot of information. You have you have to recall a ton of information and present it in a way that is concise and that people can read and understand. That's not easy. But when we're first writing, we're so concerned with getting all of our thoughts out that you have to go through like multiple stages of drafting to get it to a point where like it's something that you feel okay with sharing with the world. So like you, let's say you get to that point, you've edited and you reviewed and maybe you had a friend review it and you're still like, okay, should I publish this? Yes. Publish it. Don't yeah. think about it twice because otherwise mm-hmm. you're going to suck yourself out of it. Yeah. yeah. You're never going to publish yeah, it. Yeah. I, I like that idea of having a pair too, like where it's like social mm-hmm. support, you can kind of validate and push yourself to done. I have a question because I think the thing you mentioned before of people get emotional. I think I'm I'm ready to cry about writing about JavaScript, <laughs> right? I think it's I think it's time for me to do that now. How do you suggest developers start their blog? Should I like go and look up a static site generator that's then going to host oh this blog for me to go and punch keys to do that? Should I go to Medium and you know just use their platform or any other platforms that you suggest? Which one do you prefer? For people to start. So I prefer the platform that will enable you to press publish the soonest. I find that a lot of people get really hung up on figuring out what their stack is going to be that they don't actually like people get so concerned about building the perfect blog that they don't think about the stuff that the blog is supposed that's supposed to live on the blog. Right. So if you are like, okay, I don't know exactly where I want to blog right now. I don't know what I want to blog on, but I know that I have ideas and I don't want to spend all of this time. Start with the one that is the easiest for you to get off the ground. Then you get in the habit of writing. And while you're doing the writing, then, you know, you can take some time to investigate, okay, where do I want my blog to eventually live? And then you can migrate all of that content onto your blog, cross post it, and then eventually make your blog, like your your personal blog, the one that you built out, the main one. But whichever okay. one is going to enable you to start publishing right away, that's the one you go with. Do you have any top three? I mean, if they, they're not mm-hmm. sponsoring the podcast, unfortunately, and not giving <laughs> us money. But if you had to tell someone, hey, start writing it at this place, what would that place be? I think Ghost CMS is a really good one. It's a lightweight CMS. It's open source. Okay. And I believe it allows for self-hosting. You can, you can edit in Markdown. So it's great. And they have a bunch of templates. You don't have to do anything out of the ordinary to get a blog up and going. WordPress, you can't go wrong with WordPress.com, especially if you decide to map a a domain to it just because they've been around forever. And it's the same deal. They have a bunch of templates. They make it easy for you to put something on there and publish. If you want to do something that's like more, I would say like if you want to have your blog like on a forum or like a place where other developers tend to go to other places to look at would be dev.to and Hashnode. Both of those are blogging platforms specifically created for developers. So they have, you know, they, they have hashtags, they all enable comments and they're very, very easy to get off the ground. You create an account and you're ready to start blogging. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. But WordPress, like, where's my street cred? Like, you know, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta have the Gatsby headless CMS. <laughs> Oh, like, middleman you got to use middleman that's what my old ass blog jekyll. is using middle <laughs> jekyll a lot of people are still using jekyll by the way and yeah. a lot of people are using jekyll a lot of people are still using hugo um hugo i know is, is newer than jekyll but i was actually really surprised to hear because i actually tweeted this a few weeks ago 
And it got like, I got like 500 responses. I didn't know so many people passionate about blogging. I should have known because better. people I are more that. passionate about the stack than the content. A lot of the I time. muted I that <laughs> real quick. But I was like, what are you using to build your blog? And everybody's like, 11D, this, that, the third, Nux.js. And I was like, okay, I got I to gotta mute this. So, but believe it or not, a lot of people like, are using Jekyll. So. Okay. So like. If I have a question of like, should I write a blog post or change my static site generator? You are going to write that blog post. Absolutely not. You're going to do the blog post first. But I want (laughs) to use Gatsby. You you know what ends up happening? People build the blog. First, they take months to build the blog. And then their first blog post is how they built the blog. And then they don't blog again. Mm. That's what happens. Have you seen my blog? Is that, can you tell me your, did I just that describe is, your blog? They, Get out Dave, of my head. Dave feels personally attacked right now. Uh, okay, so there's another thing. So I, I like I did write that blog post, and I was very proud of my template. Like I was like, oh, this is such a cool looking template. It looks so neat. And then I ran Lighthouse against it, and I was like, oh my god, this is a trash fire. So like, should. I write a blog post or should I optimize my SEO and page performance? For me, that's a trick question because mm-hmm. I'm very much right now on the optimizing SEO. It depends how many blog posts you have. So let's write the blog post, publish the blog post, and then immediately afterwards, start optimizing your SEO and check your page <laughs> performance. Especially if you have a static site generator, check if you have too many images or too, like, check. you want to check for things like unused CSS unused javascript you want to check to see if your images have been compressed because otherwise your site will run really oh i got those big images real big (laughs) (laughs) no sir i think there's like a site called like compressor.io where you can like and it like the quality stays the same and you just put it on there and then like it'll and then you just re-upload it to your site you want to make sure you have your alt text Mm-hmm. It's a lot of stuff, but but do the blog post first and then right. get to the SEO because the SEO I think is important for the accessibility for too. Like I know a lot more about accessibility than I did as well, and I'm pretty sure that no person is able to access my website unless they. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, no matter their ability, maybe <laughs> if they use a screen reader, it's like they're lost. It's just gonna shout at them. But you know what? It happens to a lot of us. I think for. For those of us who don't use assistive technology, it's really easy to just, you know, completely forget to put alt text in, forget mm-hmm. to put descriptions in. Even with SEO, it's easy to forget, okay, I don't, do I have to put in a meta description? How many characters? All of this stuff, we forget about it because it's not something that we think about in our day to day. If that's just something you add to like your little checklist before you publish a blog, if you're going to just say, okay, you know, I, did I edit everything? Did I add my alt text? Then that's a way you can start making it into a habit. Yeah, I'm almost feeling like inspired to start writing blog posts about like optimizing my blog. <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea, though. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. I approve of this message. Oh, there you okay, go. okay, okay. There you go. Okay. Uh, what if your site gets so optimized that you can't optimize it anymore? Are you going to continue <laughs> blogging? You're going to go back to blogging, yes. I will ascend. I will ascend up <laughs> into the SEO clouds. There you go. Awesome. Oh, goodness. I do have a question. So as I mentioned before, I have a blog that's like five years old. It's it's sad. Like uh-huh. I really tried to use, what is I think I use middleman with like rails and it's markdown. And I don't know why I do this myself because I'm a horrible designer. I can't pick colors or styles or templates for beans. It's ugly. It's like blue on gray <laughs> and it just doesn't work. What do I do with that content from five years ago that I mentioned myself, I refer to from time to time, but it's just like sitting in, in a very old looking site. 
So first of all, it sounds like it sounds like you do eventually want to migrate to a new. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I do want to migrate. Say, you know, I'm inspired now. We just had a we chopped it up a little bit, and I want to start writing content. And I'm not going to write right. that old ass site, but do I bring those over with me and then start again? Like, what what are your thoughts on that? You can bring your old content with you. You don't have to bring everything. You can go back and decide. Okay, is there some content that I want to keep? Some content that I don't. I feel like it's nice to to have a blog and use it like. So here's the thing is that blogs are actually dynamic. I know that there are people that, you know, keep their archives from 2008. Like unless you're like a food blogger or somebody who like basically unless a lot of the content is evergreen, you don't necessarily need to have all of that content there. So you might go back and say, you know, I wrote this blog post in 2016. I refer to it from time to time. It is old. But what you can do is you can update it and then publish it on your blog again. And then anything else that you think is completely relevant, anything that you don't like, anything that doesn't resonate with you anymore, you can just completely remove. I mean, I would save it, like just, you know, make sure you have a repo or something so you can access it so that you can kind of, you keep a record of your writing. Right. You can bring over, you have the choice of selecting what you want to bring over when you migrate. Right. So like evergreen content or stuff that is, you know, not as green, you can update it. To the yes. new new blog post. Mm-hmm. Stuff like, you know, if I got a blog post on handlebars JS, I think I should leave it in the past. You should leave, you know, <laughs> yeah. If I have a 2016 boilerplate JavaScript repo that I'm referring to, probably not the thing I should be migrating <laughs> yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, just delete it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> just delete it. Just get rid of it. It's 2016. JavaScript moves every three months. There's a new framework. There and there's no reason for me to keep a old 2016 boilerplate blog post to talk about those things. Okay, I feel liberated. Like, I'm going to delete my blog now. <laughs> <laughs> All of it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because then you're going to go... I think you're going to, the problem is that there's going to be this problem. You're going to go back to deleting the whole blog uh-huh. and then you're going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out exactly which static site generator. And then you're going to go back <laughs> to having the first blog post of this new blog be yeah. how you built the uh, blog. Yeah, yeah. And then, no, no, no. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then he's going to talk about how to optimize it for accessibility. Right. And then he's the going to talk one. about more accessibility type topics. And then what happens topics? when this blog goes stale? Because oh. are you going to update it? You have to keep content on there. You got to put content. You got to yeah, keep it fresh. Yeah. I, keep I think it that's a great point. Like it's it's about like consistency of the habit. Like yes, I think that's the only reason why we still exist as a podcast is because we have been consistent. Like every Wednesday we show up, and then sure you show up every wednesday then eventually you put out 200 episodes yeah exactly which is usually <laughs> which is like impressive. hey dave what are we talking about and then we kind of chop it up make it happen content's made that's that's what we've been doing and consistency has been key for us and i imagine it will be key for you if you're starting your your blog that's correct yep so you already have a a system in place for being mm-hmm. consistent the two mm-hmm. of you, you you've created it so that it works with your schedule y'all are able to show up and you're able to make it work. So the same thing applies with, you know, assuming you want a blog, assuming that's something you actually really want to do, then bringing that over to blog. And I say that because I don't think every developer should have a blog. Every developer does not need a blog, but I think every developer that wants to create content needs to figure out what content vehicle is the right one for them. It seems like podcasting is one of your favorites. Like that's a content type that you really like. So maybe if that's something that you know you're going to be consistent with, you can, you continue with that. If you know that YouTube videos, short YouTube videos are your thing, then that's what you do. You don't have right. to blog if that's not right. your thing. Right. I mean, that's true. I, I think that's like kind of like the really egalitarian thing about it is like 
there are so many ways to express yourself that mm-hmm. like you can find a way that makes you happy and like you can keep consistent with. Yes, correct. Stephanie, how can people reach out to you? You can find me on Twitter at Radio Morillo, or you can find me on my website at stephaniemorillo.co. Awesome. And you have a book, right, on creating content? Yes, I do. I have an ebook called The Developer's Guide to Content Creation, which includes 14 guided exercises, their templates, and from start to finish, show you how to get started with content creation. And you can find that at thedevelopersguidetocontent.com. Awesome. So, right, I'll start by writing, and I promise that I'm not going to look for the stack I want to write it in. I'm going to say that. I'm just going to try my best to do some writing, and I hope that you know everyone out there gets to see some cool content that's being created. And love to see that content. Feel free to tag us, Radio Free Rabbit, or you can hit my personal Twitter, Google Mike. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.